What's going on, ATL peeps? It's Nav here. Welcome to episode 45 of Around the League. In today's episode, Tuan and I play a little game. So we're about 10 games into the NBA season, and him and I picked about 10 narratives, and we just talk about what's real and what's fake. You know, what's out of the narratives that we chose, what's here to stay, and what's a byproduct of just being 10 games in. We had a lot of fun recording this one. Uh, we hope you enjoy, and as always, thanks for listening. Take care. Welcome to episode 45 of Around the League. We have a special episode today that we're going to call Real or Fake. We're 10 games into the regular season, so Twan and I are going to break down some narratives to determine if they're real or just a byproduct of 10 games in. But before we do, we have to announce that this is the beginning of Twan and I's long distance relationship. <laughs> so we're going to check in with our boy who is now recording from the City of Angels. Tuan, what's up, my man? Hey, what's up, baby? Um, first off, love the idea. I know you came uh, came to me this this morning with the uh, true or false or real or fake type idea. I love that, by the way. Love the love the uniqueness there. Um, but man, things are good with me, brother. LA, baby, we are uh, six forty one. I know it's a little late for you, uh, but yeah, man, I've uh, been in LA for a week now, and uh, still doesn't still hasn't hit me yet. Still doesn't feel quite real, um, but yeah, man, it's 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 been a roller coaster for the last week. Just trying to get my footing and trying to settle in a bit, but yeah, a lot going on right now. You've had uh, you've had some pretty cool experiences at the office. Uh, why don't you tell us about uh, your first couple of days at Adidas headquarters? <laughs> yeah, the first day first day was Thursday, so yeah, I landed Monday. Had a few days just to kind of. Rome and check out the the neighborhood. So I'm just downtown LA right now, uh, just stuck up in a temp housing, and it's like a five minute walk from the or from the office. So first day um, on Thursday, I walk in, and um, this reference will make more sense for the people who who are into fashion. But I met Mark Dolce. He's like our creative director for Adidas. So he's he's the guy behind a lot of like the creative. Um, branding, uh, Brooklyn Farm. He's like a big name, even externally with uh, outside of Adidas. So he's the very first person I met at work in LA. And then, you know, we had our team huddle um, and Candace Parker uh, just dropped by, did a little Q&A. I think she was there for uh, like to brief her, her shoe that she has with us. Um, she's been, yeah, like a lifelong um, Addy athlete. So super cool to, you know, be able to see her in person. She was super like cool to chat with. Um, she, she just came off her, her championship with the Chicago sky. So, uh, pretty, I don't know, just pretty cool to see someone who, yeah, just won the championship, probably one of the biggest, probably one of the best women's basketball player of all time. And, you know, she's a big, obviously LA figure. So, um, first day was very memorable. And uh, yeah, hopefully we have a few more of those type of days uh, throughout my time here. Oh, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you yeah, will. Man. So you didn't, um, you didn't ask, you didn't ask Candace about her brother. No, I wanted to, I wanted to really bad, but I, I didn't know it was the right moment because no one else probably know, knew who Anthony Parker, former Toronto Raptor, former um, Kavi Tel Aviv legend, um, even, I think he played for the Cavs and some, some other teams that, you know, after the Raptors, but 
Yeah, um, I wanted to ask that, but I didn't have any time. But you know, honestly, enough about me, bro. How was how was the uh, the Brooklyn Raptors game? I know you you went there. Who would you go with? Uh, I went with Shona's brother. So um, out of the blue, I got a text asking if uh, if I was free on Sunday from uh, Shona's in laws via like WhatsApp, and I was like, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I have nothing going on. Why? What's up? And they're part of a uh, season ticket group, and I guess no one in their group for some reason. <laughs> was able to attend the game and so yeah they offered us tickets and boy was it a treat because the last time i'd been to a raptor game was like 2019 when i also had access to uh some season tickets and got to pick a few games you and i went to the milwaukee game but yep. uh then COVID happened tampa bay happened so it had been a while and man it felt so good to be back at the scotia bank arena yeah well what what a game to go to especially kind of how even that game went down it was competitive until kind of the, the the end there until James Harden came became uh, came back to reality and became James Harden again. So uh, that must have been just what, fun to watch KD go off. Harden kind of play back to his normal self um, just overall and just be able to see kind of the Raptors back in action must have been a treat. Yeah, I mean, James Harden honestly snapped back to reality in the middle of that basketball game. <laughs> and what doesn't surprise me, that shit would always happen to the Raptors, right? So, I mean, it did, he kind of deflated the entire arena. And I remember he did the exact same thing when I saw him in 2019, when he played for Houston. Um, like he put that entire arena to sleep just by, mm -hmm. you know, he was doing the dribbling, all, all the dribbling, you know, blowing by his defender, doing the Florida again at the three point or free throw line. Um, this time around, not so much. Like people were actually chirping him. Like you, everyone kind of felt like, um, you know, that he wasn't the same basketball player. Blah blah blah. Just and then in the middle of the fourth quarter, fourth quarter, he just went off. Hey man, that's what he does. And he finished with Adidas, like thirty. Adidas guy, baby. Adidas guy. He's, he's he's just getting you know his legs under him right now. He's he's a little overweight, but I think you know, uh, give him like ten more games and he'll be prime time Harden without uh without Kyrie there. Yeah, I mean, win or lose, though, it felt good to be back. Uh, the Raptors have a really exciting team. We'll talk about it later on in this podcast, and we'll talk about Brooklyn, too. So why don't we start this, uh, start this episode? Let's start off in the Bay Area. Number one seed, 9-1 and one Golden State Warriors. They got the best net rating in the NBA. They got the best defensive rating in the NBA. That ball is back to zipping around. They are moving the basketball so well. They're so fun to watch. So, Tuan, are the, are the Warriors the real deal, or are they a byproduct of a small sample size? They, they are the real deal, but um, looking at their schedule, uh, yeah, they've they, they played a lot of shitty teams, to be fair. So their 9-1 record probably um, isn't a real reflection of how the team will perform throughout the season. And... Um, yeah, it's sure they're so missing Clay, they're missing Kaminga, they're missing Wiseman. So those are obviously big names, big not only not only rotational players, but you know, a superstar in Clay Thompson. Um yeah, so so even just I'm I'm looking at some of the the, the their um uh past games here and they beat the Kings, they beat the Thunder twice, they beat the Hornets, Pelicans, Rockets. Um, and they had pretty good victories against the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Grizzlies. So not, not the greatest, you know, nine-game stretchers in terms of wins against, you know, competitive opponents. 
Uh, but I, I think just with how Steph's playing right now, just a massive statement game yesterday against uh, Trey Young and the Hawks, just, just a casual 50, 10 and seven against, you know, I feel like the, the guy that probably um, plays uh, the most similar to him um, around in the league right now, which is Trey Young, right? So uh, I, I think he just kind of put that any sort of comparison um, to sleep there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's still a real deal. You know, I think again, they're missing those three guys that I mentioned. Uh, Jordan Poole is playing tremendously right now. You know, they still got Otto Porter. They got, they got a lot of good vets. So I don't think they'll obviously sustain this 90% winning, um, winning rate, but I still see that I, I could still see them being a top three, top four team um, in the West, barring any injury. I think, you know, Steph's just playing really well right now. That team is playing really well. And um, yeah, again, they're the net rating number one, offensive, defensive number one right now. But I think that's a uh, product of their uh, victories over some of the shooter teams. Um, you know, I, I don't think obviously they're going to be able to play at that uh, level for, for that long, but I think they're still the real deal. And I think they're still a threat to make the finals and even compete for the championship. Yeah. I mean, the schedule is definitely something to look at. I consider, you know, their, their wins against the Lakers Clippers, even the Grizz and the Hawks to be legit wins, you know? And um, yeah, that game yesterday was a point guards wet dream. I mean, Clay, uh, Trey Young played fantastic and he wasn't just doing it from the three-point line. I'd say Trey Young's game yesterday looked very Steve Nash-like. His floater is automatic. I think right now he's got the best floater in the NBA uh, by far. And we'll talk about the Hawks a little later, but to see him and Steph Curry go at it the way that they did, um, it was great to see. Like the Warriors owned the first quarter. So I watched like a 15-minute recap on YouTube of the entire game. Um, the Warriors owned the first quarter, but the Hawks had them in the second and third. And then Steph went off in the fourth. So uh, the Warriors are showing resiliency. Like they're giving up leads, but they're also getting them back. But it looks good. You know, I think they've found pieces to fit their blueprint. Like I said, the ball is the ball is zipping around. And that's sort of how we've known them to play since probably 2015. A lot, yeah, of, pen- I- a lot of penetrating, a lot of driving, a lot of kicking. Um, and so they're doing that. And what gets me excited and what kind of has me holding my breath is that as the season goes on, they're going to continue to run these sets. They're going to continue to play this way, but they're just going to have better players plugged into these other spots. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And um, the, the, the one thing that, you know, I, I, I mentioned there was again, just having Wiseman. I know he had, he struggled a bit last year, but having an, a legit bag um, in the middle there, a guy that can uh, either, you know, uh, pick and roll or pop and screen. Um, you know, he, he's very versatile and just having shooters around him playing well, he can just kind of be an energy guy. And I think he's kind of, you know, honestly be a really big X factor for them as they, um, uh, as, as they continue into the season. Uh, the one thing that I'm really surprised with is their de- defense. You know, they, they play at such a fast pace and they don't really have the the personnel that I would say that, you know, um, that, that you would think would be able to play really well on that defensive side of the ball, right? I, obviously they have Draymond, but I feel like he's lost a bit of a step. They got Otto Porter, they got Iggy. So they got veterans who I thought would probably lose a step or two, but 
they've they've all played so well. So that's probably the most surprising thing from from my point of view, um, how they're playing on the defensive side of the ball. You know, uh, we always um, assume that they're going to still be able to shoot, still be able to attack the basket and play, you know, very high um, offensive uh, style of basketball. But yeah, just very impressed with how they've been able to guard the ball. And uh, yeah, we're really excited to see how they uh, continue to play throughout the season and how they how they finish uh, the rest of the year. Yeah, currently uh, best defensive rating in the NBA. And mm-hmm. um, so much of that is spearheaded by Draymond Green. And one thing that I um, that I urge you to to look out for when you're watching them play next is how much they talk on defense. And if there's ever if there's ever a mishap on D, how much Draymond Green will bark, not in a bad way, but but in a good way, like he's they don't stop talking and communicating on defense. And that's just, a huge, just such a big thing for those young players to um, to have that to have those reminders on the court and like, um, and yeah, I mean, the efforts there. So I, I don't see them being number one uh, defensively for the entire season, but they're going to, they're going to take a bite out of teams and they're going to give it their all, um, which is always fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. So now that we've talked about the, uh, the number one seed, let's go down to the number eight seed, a team from your backyard, Tuan. The Staples, the Staples Center's finest, the Los Angeles Lakers, currently six and five and number eight seed in the West. They're currently playing without LeBron, THT, and Kendrick Nunn. And the verdict is still out whether AD, James, and Westbrook can coexist. A lot of question marks. So the, can the Lakers make it to the top of the West? So is, is this real or is this fake? I think it's still too early. So I, I think the record right now isn't going to be um, going to be reflective of how they're actually going to perform throughout the season and probably end this season. Again, they're six and five. LeBron's missed five games so far, and I think they're three and two in those games. Um, and, and I think you know it all comes down to Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. He just it's just so tough to kind of watch him play. You know, he had that. Um, that mishap against who was it against where he uh, turned the ball over and then missed that three. I forget who it was, but it was a, good, it, was a it was a close game and he uh, he really butchered the, the end of that uh, sequence there. But um, yeah, I think it really depends on how Westbrook continues to gel with the team. Again, we know he's an elite player. I know we we know that he he's a player that just brings so much energy and so much effort um, to to just the dynamic of how a team performs. So again, they're missing key players. They're missing probably the best, the top two, top three player, whatever, however you want to debate it uh, with LeBron James uh, missing the last five or missing five games so far. And yeah, I think AD still kind of just um, slowly getting his, uh, um, his game ready for, you know, for, for the long season. And I think there's no rush with this team. I think even if they, are a fourth, fifth, sixth seed, depending on, you know, injuries, uh, they're still going to be a threat. Um, I think they're deep and surprisingly Carmelo's playing really well. Um, you know, a guy that's coming off the bench and uh, giving them that little bit of a spark where, you know, I feel like people still aren't really expecting this from him, but that's, that's what he's been doing. And that's um, something that is a bit surprising. Um, the one thing I think people will look, will look back on, um, if they don't do well this season is, um, yeah, the trade for Westbrook. They could have either had Buddy Heald. Um, they could have kept Kuzma. They could have had KCP or Harrell. 
And yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of discussions about that move uh, for acquiring Westbrook and kind of um, adding him to a team that needs shooting. And he's probably one of the worst shooters um, on, uh, on any team, uh, especially a guy that demands the ball, hogs the ball that much. So I think it's still too early. I think this is fake news. And uh, I'm not saying from a from a biased standpoint, point, but um, I, I think they'll definitely find their groove once LeBron's back and once Westbrook kind of um, finds his groove with the new team. Yeah, I think you I think you said the word that that I had uh, written down as well, which was benefit of the doubt. And for now, you know, you got to give LeBron and the Lakers the benefit of the doubt. You know, they most they recently won a championship. Um, and we've known LeBron now for over a decade and we've seen what he's able to do. And uh, sometimes his teams are first in the conference and they, and they coast to the finals and sometimes they're middle of the pack and they make it to the finals, but uh, you don't know it until it's over with that guy. Um, and there are injuries early, but I'm pretty close to being concerned. Uh, they lost to OKC twice, which is not a huge deal, but I think what concerns me the most is, there's these games and these wins where they just squeak by and like LeBron, AD and Westbrook have these monstrous stat lines. Um, they're huffing and puffing and, you know, they're padding the stats and everything looks really good from a st statistical standpoint. But then when you, when you look at how many points they give up, it's pretty astounding. So I think that's, what's concerning me the most um, with regards to Carmelo Anthony, like he's going to bring some regular season success, but he can't defend a pylon. And I feel like that's where he's going to break down come playoff time. So we'll see, but I mean, it's, it's a LeBron James led team. Um, it's a, it's an organization that has winning in their DNA. So you got to give them the benefit of the doubt uh, 10 games in, but you also touched on something I want to touch on, which is the Westbrook trade and the amount of depth that they gave up. So that brings us to Washington, um, the wizards, AKA the winners, of the Westbrook trade so far uh, they're playing awesome basketball. They're currently fourth in the East um, spearheaded by a rookie head coach and a struggling Bradley Beal supposedly, or surprisingly. So Tuan, uh, do you think the wizards are the real deal this season? Uh, I think the wizards are the real deal in the regular season. Um, I wouldn't be scared of them uh, as a playoff uh team that you that you could face in the first or second round possibly um i i think trading westbrook was definitely a, a win for them um re regardless of who they got back just because they got rid of such a big contract such a you know polarizing uh player uh obviously he played well kind of at the tail end of last season and got squeaked them into the, the playoffs but being able to get kuzma Harrell, um kcp and then they added Dinwiddie uh, from the Nets, they're just solid, solid role players. None of them are going to be, you know, the, the second or third option um, that, that you would want from a championship contending team, but they're solid. And then they're also missing Rui Hachimuri has been out, I think, all season. Davis Bertans um, recently got injured uh, like a week ago. So they have just a really, really solid team. I really like kind of the, the construction of their team. It's just they don't have the, I guess, 1A or 1B to play along Bradley Beal. Um, and then all their other guys don't really fill in um, that, that, you know, second or third scoring option spot 
if you're depending on Dinwiddie or depending on Kuzma to be your second or third best scorer, that's kind of the the downfall for them. I think they, they they'll be you know really strong in the um, uh, in the regular season. It's just when again this is similar to things that were uh, the dynamics we've seen with other Eastern Conference teams where you you play really well um, in the regular season, but in the playoffs things slow down. Um, you know the half court um, is uh, is very prominent and. You just need to be able to score the ball uh, when teams are defending you and watching film on you and, you know, know your habits and all that stuff. So uh, I, I think they'll, they'll be a top, honestly, they, I'm just still trying to think about all the teams in the East and, you know, Milwaukee struggling, Indiana struggling, Celtics are struggling. So I don't know if those teams will obviously get back to the level that we think they will. So I can't say that the Wizards will, even be a top six team, but I think they'll be in the playoffs, either a late seed or a play-in team. Um, but, you know, it's, I don't think it's too much of a surprise that they're, they're fourth in the East right now. They just have a lot of solid players, uh, but I wouldn't be scared of them in the, uh, in a playoff matchup. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with just about everything you said. Um, they, their supporting cast is fantastic. Like the amount of depth that they got in return for Westbrook, like, you, you think about the bubble and the amount of playoff threes that KCP was draining from the baseline. Um, Kuzma, pretty good defender. Caruso, I know that he's playing for the Bulls um, and the Lakers didn't want to resign him because, you know, he would have needed a lot of money in return. But like they, they lost all their depth in return for Russell Westbrook and not to mention Montres Harrell. He's going to be a regular season beast for that team because he brings it 120% every single game. And there's those mundane, you know, regular season games where no one wants to try. But when you got a guy like Montrez Harrell uh, barking and yelling and fist pumping and shit like that, like it gets you, it gets you, you know, it gets you hype, right? Um, I think what encourages me the most with the team, though, is the fact that Bradley Beal was runner up last year for leading scorer in the NBA. He's struggling pretty pretty big right now, but the, but they're playing great team ball. He seems to still be bought in given his personal struggles and a stat that has me blown away only because of how bad they were at defense last year is that they're currently, they currently have the ninth best defense in the NBA. So to me, that's pretty shocking. Yeah. That's surprising. Uh, I, I, I didn't know that they were top 10 in, in defense. But again, still still quite early. Uh, the, the one thing I, I want to mention is, you know, I fully experienced the Montrezl Harrell uh, experience, I would say. Uh, he, the, the Raptors had played them uh, in their season opener uh, at, at the at Scotiabank, and uh, Jackie and I were there. And, man, it's frustrating to watch that guy. Just he when owned, he's on the other he team. owned yeah, Ken he, Birch. He, yeah, he owned them. Like, yeah, he got you like a 20 and 10 off whatever. I, I, I'm not sure. I think he's off the bench. Yeah, he was off the bench because I think Gafford was starting that game. And he just demoralized the Raptors. You know, he's barking at them. Whenever he gets an and one, he's just so much energy. Like, there's so much energy uh, in his play. So, um, again, he's he's a great regular season player. Um, not sure how he's going to be able to, uh, you know, perform in the playoffs. We've, we've seen him struggle uh, pretty mightily and get benched uh, in the playoffs. So, he's definitely a big factor for them. Uh, he, he's a he's a great player in the regular season, so we'll we'll see how he does um, l- later on um, in the postseason. But 
I, I like I like the Wizards. You know, they were fun to watch. They played the Raptors twice already, so I've been able to watch them in person and uh, on TV in the second game. So, uh, you know, strong team. And yeah, I, I think they'll be in the playoffs. Yeah, last thing I want to say about the Wizards, and um, this is just this is just me putting my 12-year-old Instagram account uh, hat on. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's something to be said about Washington attracting um, another 1A or 1B, like you said earlier, because, um, if you know, a lot of eyes are on Boston right now. There's a lot of, you know, hoopla about the potential trade of either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum for a guy like Ben Simmons. But, you know, we just talked about the depth that Washington has. And, you know, if they could put a package for a guy like Jason Tatum, who we all know is best friends with Bradley Beal, you know, there's something real that could, that could happen there at either by the trade deadline or, or in the off season. So I think if Washington continues on this journey of a regular season success and an early playoff exit, you know, they could be runner, they could be runner ups for um, another piece with Bradley Beal, which would be dynamite. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a formula, man, for a team that's just kind of treading in the middle. You just have to stay afloat. You just have to like develop your players well. And then you had to find that little opportunity, kind of like the Raptors did. You know, I, I always come back to that where the Raptors are always really good in the regular season, struggled, but they just continued playing well, just kind of building that culture, building um, the style of play and just, you know, having that defensive or, you know, just having an identity. And I think the Wizards kind of have that right now. And then once, once just a small opportunity, maybe their team that does take on Ben Simmons and the, the, the 76ers are, you know, begging for, for someone to give them an offer. And if they're able to buy them with, you know, maybe two, three really strong role players and some draft picks, that could really change the dynamic of the Wizards and kind of the future that, that they might have. So even if, you know, I, I, yeah, I think it's just depending on what, what opportunity comes opportunity comes up and if they're able to really capitalize on that or when it does come up. Yeah, we're going to move on, but I like what you just said there. Cause I think Washington's actually one of the only teams that isn't um, hedged with all their picks. Like some of these other, some of the, some of these other uh, teams in the future. So um, you kind of mentioned them. We're going to segue to our, our beloved six and five Toronto Raptors. Tuan, you and I have been wanting to talk about them for a while. Uh, they've been red hot in the last seven games and they're kind of exactly how they were advertised a nightmare to play on defense. And then a team that can really struggle offensively. Uh, Siakam is now back and OG has been playing lights out for the last maybe four or five outings. So Tuan, Tuan talk to me about the Raptors. It worked for you, Scotty Barnes. I know I've, I've been itching to talk about this guy. You know, there was, a lot of different reactions when we drafted him number four over Jalen Suggs. And again, we, we just, we can never doubt Masai and in, in what he does and the, the scouting team there and the front office that, that, that they have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scotty Barnes right now is probably your rookie of the year. Um, a guy that is not only a defensive uh, monster from, you know, every, position um just so versatile but i think the most surprising thing with him is just his offensive game um, I, I knew uh just from like watching scouting videos that he was a really good passer for his size but and some of the stats don't or you're not going to see uh some of his assists come up because they're like the second assist you know the, the hockey assist that leads to 
the shot, but a guy that's averaging 17, nine and two out of the gate, uh, probably be a little higher if he didn't um, uh, hurt his wrist, I think. So he sat out two games and he's just kind of slowly getting back to it. Um, I I think his stats won't obviously be sustainable just with Siakam coming back. Uh, Some of the shots won't be there, but the, the most surprising thing to me is how he's getting those points and how he's getting those stats. He's a guy that isn't being fed the ball, isn't shooting 15, 20 shots a game. And he's just kind of, you know, picking his spots, uh, grabbing the offensive boards, cutting and, you know, just finishing around the paint so well. I think he's shooting over 70% from the paint. Uh, his his, his uh, three-point shot, you know, obviously that, that's his weakness right now. He's only two for 10 uh, through 11 games so far. So small sample size, but I, I think with, you know, more repetition, with more work, again, he's only 11 games into um, his, his professional career. So um, we've seen such a awesome, awesome start from this kid. And uh, let's not forget OG, who's definitely taken a um, massive step forward as an offensive player. We know his uh, forte as a, as a defensive guru, uh, you know, always defending the, the best three or best four from, from other teams. And now he has kind of that defensive partner in Scotty Barnes alongside Siakam, um, alongside uh, Freddie. And I, I really like what the Raptors have put together. Again, they're not a championship team, not a championship contending team, but they're still young. Um, they, they have a probably a top two, top three coach in the league, depending on you ask. Uh, if Siakam is able to kind of get back into uh, his pre-bubble um, play, being a second team All-NBA guy, someone that can, you know, still give you 28 and five every single night, that'd be huge. Uh, but this team won't be dependent on their star, a star player. They're going to be a team that will be dependent on their five starters, um, including Gary Trent. And there's going to be a team that will work their ass off on defense and probably struggle in the half court um, offensively. They don't have that go-to guy that they can give the ball to. Um, you know, there's really no hierarchy. It's, I, I think it just depends on who's playing well that night. And if it's a close game, that's who you got to give it to. If Freddie's playing well and he's shooting well, that's who you got to give it to. If Siakam's um, hitting stride um, offensively, that's who you give it to. But they don't really have that go-to guy. And that's probably their biggest uh, weakness as a team, not having that go-to score um, late in games. Um, I forget who they were playing the other night. But, um, oh, the Cavs. The Cavs, they were playing the Cavs. And they just didn't have a guy that can, they could go to. They went to uh, OG. Um, late in the fourth, he missed. They went to Freddie, he missed. And then Scotty missed that put back. Uh, so they're going to lose some of those tight games just because they don't have that defined number one guy. But honestly, I love what I'm watching with the Raptors. Super excited just to, you know, turn on the game and um, see how Scotty develops, see how, you know, the, these these older guys, I wouldn't call them older, but Siakam, OG, and Freddie perform. And I, I think they're definitely a playoff team. Barring any injury, they're just too strong defensively, too long, too well coached. Um, and again, they have championship pedigree with those three guys. And I think that's going to uh, waterfall down into these younger guys. And, you know, I didn't really bring up Delano Banton, but he's been a great surprise, the number 46 pick uh, in this year's draft. And uh, I, I love what I'm seeing, man. I'm super excited to continue to watch all their games, 
you know, I get the privilege to watch at 4.30, 4 o'clock nowadays. So right after work, get to just turn on the TV and watch the Raptors um, as, as a nice little treat uh, at the end of the day. So uh, yeah, I mean, I could honestly talk about the Raptors all fucking day, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you speak on on your thoughts. I'm sure uh, there's going to be a little overlap on what uh, what I'm saying and what, you, what you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, with regards to the w- rookies with Barnes and Banton, I think what, what stands out the most, especially when you see them live, um, is just their specimens, like, like legit specimens. Dayan and I were talking about this recently. We thought he was 19 years old. Turns out he's 20. Um, no big difference, obviously, but the fact that he already looks like a, like a giant, uh, and he's, and he almost looks like he's already filled out, but you know, he's going to probably get another couple of inches and continue to fill out over the years. I mean, that's scary. Um, and Delano Banton, I mean, when you watch him live, like his hands touch his ankles, you know, when he closes out, when he closes out, it is frightening, especially because he, he's plays the point guard and usually guards, um, the other wings. Right. So he is, he is an absolute specimen. What, I mean, what gets me excited though, is, uh, Nick nurse's offense gets them amazing looks. So I feel like the, uh, the wizards game on November 3rd was very telling because the whole game, uh, they were just running the offense. The ball was getting out of Freddie's hands pretty quick. Um, they were either doing DHO pick and roll driving kick, um, and they were getting amazing looks. And when everyone's hitting their shots, their offense looks fantastic. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, you kind of saw what their Achilles heel is, which is uh, Fred Van Fleet trying to create a little too much, being a smaller point guard. Next thing you know, you know, there's five seconds on the shot clock. Uh, they're getting a rush shot or a, uh, or a force shot by, by Freddie. So, you know, when they stick to the offense, whether they're making shots or not, they're going to get amazing looks. Um, but when they try to go rogue and create, I mean, although OG's gotten better at it, when him and Fred try to create, they run into a lot of trouble and it usually ends in fast breaks for the other team, right? So um, they got stuff they got to work out, but man, it looks it looks awesome. Like a couple bright spots, Gary Trent Jr., third in the NBA in steals. And I'd, I don't know what the stat is, but just by watching them live against the Nets, they deflect the shit out of the basketball. I mean, whether they might not get the steal all the time, but their hands are all over the basketball at all times. And um, everyone on the court other than Fred is like six, eight, six, nine with like a seven foot wingspan. So uh, they're pretty frightening. They're pretty frightening. And I, I, I know a team like that who is, you know, getting their best player back and playing with each other for the first time. It's only going to get better as the season goes on. So you're right. They might not make a deep playoff push. They might not be too high in the standings, but they're going to take a chunk out of teams um, when they play them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly such a joy to watch, especially after a really tough season last year. Again, we, we, we've mentioned this before, but just, um, you know, being, being in Florida, being in Tampa and being basically having 72 away games last season and then even being in the bubble, um, it's just really nice to watch, even, even though we, we don't expect them to to contend for a title. It's just knowing that, you know, we're on the right path, knowing that they got the right pieces in place and knowing that even if they get, you know, a middle of the road or middle of the pack draft pick, that that pick is very highly going to be a successful pick. So, um, you know, just looking forward to um, uh, just just to how they're playing, uh, even if they lose tight games, you know, it's just fun to watch 
that they put in that defensive effort and that they're playing the right style of basketball. Yeah, no, absolutely. Good things ahead, hopefully. Um, sure. Also funny, like l- listening to Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, Marvel over um, Scotty Barnes's physique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's huge, man. He's massive. He's so big. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, all right. So on a lighter note, uh, the next thing I want to discuss was the Wilson. <laughs> After 37 years, the NBA has parted, parted ways with Spalding. Uh, they signed a contract with Wilson and there's a little bit of controversy about this, this new basketball that these guys are playing with. And from a, from a macro perspective, um, NBA wide field goal percentage has gone down. Three point percentage has gone down, um, to some pretty record lows and some are blaming the basketball. Tuan, are you buying this? Is it real or is it fake? Uh, I, I think it's fake. I think um of course i think the the foul rates has gone down just because um the refs aren't being tricked into calling that bullshit harden james harden steph curry trey young type plays anymore so i think that's one of the main reasons why scoring has been down a little bit and i think we we had the same controversy when um spalding brought brought back that or not bring back but they introduced that new basketball that you remember that one that was only like around for two, three years. And then and players it inflated were complaining. Itself? Sorry? Not the one that inflated itself. No, no, it was the one that had a different design. Oh, different seeds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that one was the same thing where it's just, it was just different ball. I think it was a different material, like a different leather. So players weren't used to it. I think, again, it's just an adjustment period. We're still seeing guys like John Morant, Kevin Durant, or John Morant, uh, Kevin Durant, still score the bucket at, you know, score score baskets at a very high level. So there's, I don't think there's an issue in scoring the ball. It's just getting familiar with it. It's like playing FIBA, you know, playing international ball where you gotta get kind of used to that. What is it? The the molten molten ball, the molten ball, right? So um, I I think, you know, again, still 10 games in the season. So early on, they're just getting adjusted to to using new new ball. So uh, I call this, I'm gonna call this one the fake news. But who who was the player that was complaining about it? Was was it like a? I don't know. It was I think it was your usual suspect. If Paul George said something because he always has to say something, um, <laughs> and I forget. And then Drew Hanlon tweeted out probably protecting his uh, his his train his trainees, and he's like, I think it's like here I have it here. Out of last year's All Stars that have attempted a three this season. 17 of 22 are shooting under 30, 36% from three. Might need a new trainer, Drew. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's pretty surprising though. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the, I don't think we need to go into too much discussion about this basketball, but you touched on something that I'd like to talk about. Um, and is, it's just the new rule changes and, and how physical the game is and, I'm just so surprised that more players aren't tweeting about how physical it is that uh, more agents aren't talking about how physical it is because, you know, even watching the Raptor game on Sunday um, guys are getting hammered. And um, what was it? Nick nurse was saying out of 41 field goal attempts this season, OG has been to the line zero times. No way. He hasn't, yeah. made, he hasn't gone to the free throw line. Yeah, OG and Obi. Oh, sorry. Last two games, forty-one field goal attempts, zero free throw attempts. 
I could, I can, uh, I could kind of see that he's been settling for a lot of tough jumpers, to be honest. But again, I think that's just his evolution as a player. Um, he's never really had the strongest handle, and he hasn't been, you know, the quickest player, say the least. So I don't think he has. Again, he's never had the reputation of being a slasher. Um, so I could see that, but um, we like. I think the, the the other thing we should talk about is like the, that new rule change. Like I think that changes a lot of how players are playing. Well, that's um, what I mean. It's a lot more chippy. Yeah, for sure. And I I, I like that. I, I like that. You know, how frustrating is it when we're watching a Raptors game and James Harden or Trey Young get one of those stupid ass calls that r- results in a hand one or three three free throws for them, and it's just so it's just so frustrating to watch. It kills like the flow of the game, and I'm really glad that it's it's kind of back to where we we, we like to see it, where we, that's not you know uh, it's it's basically breaking the rules within the game, and that's what James Harden has done really well. So I'm gonna be you know watching out to see if he's able to kind of adjust on the fly um, and change up his offensive game because I think he he's been kind of um, depending on that that little rule for so long, and we'll we'll, we'll see how he he. Prefers forms later in the season yeah what i like to see is that you know good things are still happening in basketball games so what i mean by that is you know trey young still playing pretty good steph steph curry's playing lights out um but what isn't happening is that bs that you just talked about right so i think it was an awesome job by the nba to address that um uh, because we're still getting really good product out of our most exciting players um and just all that bullshit is is just not happening anymore and like i remember after the game i i texted you guys like the game was only just over two hours mm. james harden was in that game you know he could have been to the line like 20 times and uh, i would have gotten out the next day yeah no props to the nba for yeah just being able to listen and um yeah understanding that that was definitely hurting the game more than uh, more than we would think so uh definitely props to them for for being proactive um, and just making sure that, yeah, that, that wasn't a thing because again, we've been, we've been complaining about that for forever now. And, um, yeah, I'm just glad that that's not part of the game anymore. Yeah. So now since we're on the subject of slumps, uh, let's talk about Damian Lillard. When you brought him up last episode, I didn't even bat an eye to your question. I don't think I even answered it. I was just like, ah, no, he'll be fine. But now my eyebrows are kind of raised, you know, his field goal percentage has gone down from 45 to 35%. And his three-point percentage has gone down from 39 to 25%. Um, Tuan, is this what Dame has become? Is it too soon to say? Uh, after all, he's playing for a new coach, new system. Um, what do you think? I don't know about this one. Um, I, I, I've been hearing reports that he's had like a ab slash core injury ever since the Olympics. And that's kind of where his slump began. Uh, he had a really poor... Uh, Tokyo Olympics, uh, even though the, the team won gold, he was probably the, the um, worst performer who had like, you know, high expectations for, for that tournament. And yeah, he's what he, like you said, he's shooting 35, 25 and 85 shooting split split there. Definitely not the numbers that you expect from a guy that usually averages 30 points a game close to that for the last few years. Um, He's still, you know, again, he's not shooting well, but he's still facilitating, still getting nine assists, four rebounds. So still doing those small things that, you know, that he needs to do to kind of get his play, or his teammates involved. But 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, th I think uh, I think we'll hear more about um, Damon, what he's going through, probably either when he decides to sit out or get surgery or whatever that case is. But from what I've been hearing, he has been hurt. Um, and yeah, I, that's the only, only thing that I can think of. It doesn't make sense that, you know, he's playing this poorly because of a rule change or because of a new basketball. Um, doesn't make sense to me, but again, I'm not too sure. I think it's still too small of a sample size, especially with Portland being five and five. They, you know, his his play obviously hasn't been a huge detriment to them. I'm sure he could he could play better, and their team their team could be a little better. But um, I think you know, give him another 20, 25 games, and he should be kind of back to where he was. Depending on if yeah, if 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 his injury is identified and revealed. Yeah, that's my hunch too. He's injured, and I think this is all blown way out of proportion. He's he's way too good of a basketball. We're talking about a generational talent, um, and you know, you, he does. You wouldn't just lose your powers over the course of eight months. You know, it just it doesn't happen like that. And it's he does it to himself. You know, he's probably injured. That's my hunch, and he's gonna still be like ten toes. I'm coming at your head, <laughs> like man. Just like, you know, use the PR a little bit, you know, like I, I feel like he does it to himself. Um, I wish you'd avoid this kind of speculation, but I think we'll see Dame back. Maybe not, maybe this season, like maybe it's a lingering in injury this season, but he's mm. Damian freaking Lillard. Like he's going to be okay. Hey, he's a top 75 player, man. Yeah. Some respect <laughs> on that, you know, let's go. Yikes. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, uh, not yet at least, but uh, no. I think I think he's fine and and he'll be back in it. If it was like you see it in like like Rory McIlroy, you know, like golfers will get the yips and stuff. Like I can see that, um, but Dame Dame's too good. Yeah, it's just, honestly, yeah, it's injury thing or it's probably a little mental too. Just playing poorly, probably not you know fully healthy and um, yeah, he, he's he's definitely struggled hard this season. So hopefully he gets it back. You know, again another Addy guy. So only hoping the best for those guys, but um, yeah, I, I think I'll be fine. Another Addy guy, Trey young. Let's talk about the Hawks. Um, they, did they overachieve last year or uh, you think they'll get back to their winning ways? I, I have a strong opinion about them. I'm high on them, but Twan, you can take it. You can take it from here. Uh, I, I want to give it to you. Give me your thoughts. I, I, well, I have my thoughts too. So yeah, well, I just think, I think they're absolutely stacked. You know, I think I would, I would relate this to like, uh, your, our SGM team, you know, or the SGM team after, after, uh, I, I went to senior and they're, they're stacked, but they're young. And I think over the course of an 82 game season, um, it's really hard to get a team this young to bring it every night on defense. And I think that's the one area that they're really struggling is just like playing at least respectable defense. Um, over the course of a 48 minute game. And I think that if they can flip the switch, um, it'll be huge for them. And, and they'll be, they'll be able to make another deep, uh, deep push because um, offensively, they're a problem. I mean, they have so many options and so many players to choose from. They almost have too many options. Uh, but I think that defensively and just bringing it mentally every, every night over the course of an 82 game season is going to be the problem for them. Yeah, with them, I think I think a few things come into come into play right now with with their you know their struggles early on. I think last year, of course, they they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and they were probably 
um, a year or two too early for that. You know, they, they, they beat 76ers in the second round, um, got, got pretty handled by the, the Bucks uh, in, in the Eastern Conference there. But um, yeah, I, I think last year they were a surprise team. You know, not a lot of people expected them to play that well. Trey Young, you know, arrived on the scene, arrived at MSG and really showed the type of player that he was. And uh, for me, I'm, I'm still really high on them. I think they just have, similar to the Wizards, um, they, they're really stacked um, with role players, really strong role players. I think Bogdanovich is struggling a little bit right now. He's probably not getting as, as many touches as he, as he wants. You know, he's a strong offensive player, not only um, with, for the Hawks, but internationally. I think, you know, um, even Gallinari hasn't playing, been playing really well. He's getting a little older, so I'm not sure if, you know, this is a small sample size or he's just not uh, playing up to his standards. Even Kevin Herter, you know, a great three-point shooter is only shooting 25% this year. So um, I think once their guys kind of get, you know, out of that slump, out of that early season slump, they'll get back to it. Again, they're still a really strong team. They still got DeAndre Hunter, um, a, a guy that they were missing greatly last season in the, in the, in the playoffs, a guy that got hurt. And he's a guy that, you know, a top pick, you know, I think it was a top three or top four pick two years ago and a guy that is a defensive monster. So I think once he gets going again, maybe Cam Reddish again, so much talent on this team. It's, it's crazy. I'm just looking at their roster right now. They still got Lou Williams, DeLon Wright, um, you know, the Clint Capella, John Collins. So they're stacked, man. They, they got a really good seven, eight minimum uh, great players. And um, I'm really high on them too. I loved what I saw last year. And I think, again, Trey Young is, is going to be the catalyst for a lot of things that they, that they want to do. And um, I think it depends on how he continues to develop as not only as a shooter, because he's not a great, great three-point shooter. He has range and he has a great floater, but, you know, he struggles, you know, finishing around the rim and being consistent around the three-point line. But if he's able to continue to facilitate, get Bogdanovich, get Gallinari, get Hunter um, more involved. I think that's going to open, open the floor for him, open the lane up for him. So I think it's just really all depends on how Trey does, um, how he develops. And uh, I have no question that he's going to continue to uh, develop his game throughout the season. Yeah, they're, they're a junior varsity team. They're just too young, but mm -hmm. too good. Like, you know, the problem, it's not a problem, but they paid John Collins, Trey Young, and Herder big money over the offseason. And yeah. uh, now, you know, these guys report to camp and they go into these games and they, everyone feels entitled to, uh, to share the basketball. You know, you don't, you know, you don't have a scoring problem when Lou Williams is DNP coaching de coach's decision. True, you know, true. I just feel like they're the type of team that could have six guys in double digits, um, any given game, a different six guys in mm -hmm. double digits um, every single game. So yeah, it sounds like we're both high on the Hawks. Sounds like we think, um, what you think that it's real though? Like they're currently out of the playoff picture, ten games in. Um, so I'm going to say it's fake. Yeah, no, I, I think it's fake. I think it's just adjusting <clears throat> to the probably more teams focusing on Trey, more teams kind of just being able to watch him for a full season and kind of understanding um, their style of play and kind of what 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 they go to, um, you know, offensively and defensively. So again, it's just an adjustment period. They're on the radar now. Teams are coming coming at them with their best. So 
Um, I, I think, you know, this team is way too strong, way too, um, way too loaded with really good players to, to be playing this poorly. Yeah. And look, we got a couple more and I know, you know, there's certain teams that we could talk about like the bucks and the Clippers and the, and the Suns. but I feel like these are the type of teams we're going to be talking about throughout the whole season. So um, wanted to mix it up for this episode. Um, here's, this is a, a, a two and one. What's more real, the Nets being number seven or the Bulls being number three? What's more real? The, I think the Bulls are definitely better than who or people expecting them to be. And again, I, I think, or I, I know that before the season started, I was a huge fan of the, the moves that the Bulls made and they took it to the Nets the other day. I think it was, was it last night? Where they beat them by like, 20 they, they went on like huge run in the fourth um and hey man damar baby uh he is playing at another level right now i think people were kind of sleeping on him not expecting much because he was kind of hidden uh in the back alleys of uh of san antonio for for the last few years All but now he's, back. <laughs> now he's now he's back in a big market surrounded by really good young players and I think he is providing that, that lift that you need, um, a scoring lift, a leadership lift. And um, I really like what the Bulls are looking like. Uh, I think they can be a top four team in the East um, throughout the season. Um, and yeah, man, I, I, I'm, I'm on this bandwagon. And I, I love what I'm seeing. If, if the Raptors aren't, aren't the team to, to make it to, you know, or make it far in the playoffs, the Bulls are my team to, to follow right now. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you. Like, I think the like at the end of the regular season, uh, I think the Bulls are going to have a much more successful regular season than the Nets, even if they don't place as high as the Nets. Um, the totality of their regular regular season will be more of a success. And the reason why I say that is I just think that there's there's a lot of drama that is still going to happen to the Nets. Like there's a lot more drama to come their way. And I, I don't think the Kyrie Irving stuff is over. Um, you know, the, the mayor, the governor most recently said that they were going to revisit something with regards to the vaccination. So I think, I think the Nets just have a lot of distraction around them at all times. Harden's still working through getting in shape, which is effing nuts to me, um, given how much <laughs> money that guy makes and dealing with the rule changes. Um, I think, Kevin Durant has a lot of personalities that he has to manage in that locker room where I think the bulls are just like these gym rats that love playing basketball and uh, they're having so much fun doing it. And DeMar looks like he's back into like peak Raptor form, which brings a tear to my eye. So yeah, I think, I think the bulls are more real. Um, I think the bulls being number three is more real than uh, the nets being number seven. Yeah, and um, the Nets are still going to be a threat for sure. I think obviously KD is playing at still at a, such a high level. It's, do you consider him the best player in the league? Who's the yeah. best player in the league right now? He's the best player in the league, right? Yeah, he is, right? It's I don't I, like it's it's been uh, foregone since probably last year's playoffs that he is the best player right now. And I think again, James Harden just has to ramp up a little bit. They have a really strong supporting cast. You know, they have great shooters: Patty Mills, Joe Joe Harris. Um, Blake Griffin, man, they got they, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, Paul Millsap, even those guys are a little older, still a, a veteran presence 
in the post. So, um, yeah, they're still a threat. Obviously, they're they're still seven and four, right? So they're still playing decently well without, uh, you know, a top fifteen player in, in Kyrie in the league. So um, no worries about them. I just really like what the Bulls are doing, and uh, yeah, they're 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 my they're my team to cheer for if uh, the Raptors don't make it far this year. Yeah, hey, it was great watching Blake Griffin uh, be a Raptor killer like he like he kind of was his entire career. He was four for six from the three-point line. And every time he scored, I was cheering for him. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Like, it was just like a vintage all-star that I grew up just thinking was so prolific um, in this reduced role, but still being like semi-great. Um, I don't think he has the legs for the entire season, uh, just given the nature of his last five years. But um, it's cool to see him play, no doubt. Yeah, no, he's, 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 you know, obviously been dealing with injuries the last few years. And again, he's not the athlete that he was before, but he's still a really good passer, uh, a guy who just plays, you know, great team ball and his best days are behind him. But I, I think he's still going to be an impactful player. Even we saw in the playoffs last year, he was, he was a huge contributor on that team last year that could, could have, you know, one, uh, one inch away from being probably the champion. So um yeah, man, they they're, they're still going to do you know obviously be a, probably a top two, top three team um, in the in the East when it's set, when it's all said and done, and they're probably the team that no one wants to see in the playoffs uh, with Kevin Durant leading that charge. Yeah, no, I gotta agree. Um, that's all I got, man. But I I think I'm I'm just gonna pull out another um, the Jokic brother Twitter account. Do they really have a Twitter account named the Jokic brothers? Like, wh- why are they sending out these tweets to the Morris brothers as if it's coming from, like, Adam Silver's office or, like, the White House? Like, I, I don't know. What, I, I can't confirm. Why are they selling these, like, sending these, like, formal, um, like, threats? <laughs> yeah, uh, honestly, I, I, I saw that. I was laughing because the, the, the name was at Jokic Brothers, which is hilarious, by the way. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't see a blue check mark, so I can't confirm for sure. But that's hilarious. That is so funny. Um, I, I can't believe Jokic got got uh, involved with that. But what a what a cheap shot by Morris, by the way. And when, what did he expect? Like, I don't, like these guys are. In, and then the Heat, they have the picture of of, of the whole team uh, wait, waiting for the waiting for the Denver Nuggets. Like, get the fuck out of here, man! You guys are the the, the NBA is such a joke in terms of like just being like fake tough guys. Like, get the fuck out of here! You're not gonna do anything. You're not gonna get to. You're not gonna do anything stupid to lose. Uh, get suspended and lose, lose out on money, lose out on games. It's just all the front right now. Yeah, like man, the Jokic brothers would murder those guys. Those guys have definitely done harm to a lot of people back in Serbia for sure. You know, th- these guys are just jack dudes, and uh, I-, I love to see it. Um, I-, I love that Jokic is in the in the limelight. This guy um, is still playing super well, and just, you know, I-, I feel like he was uh, probably just frustrated, even though they were killing the Heat. Just you know, a cheap shot at half court. You know what? What? What did? What did? What, what did fucking Morris expect? Like no retaliation, and they're complaining that he was, you know, had had his back against uh, Jokic when he was pushed. But like, you you foul this dude and you turn your back. Like, what? What do you expect him to do? Kind of run in front of you and push you? Like, get the fuck out of here! It's just that's some stupid bullshit that you know. Expect the Morris brothers. Those guys have been dirty players for the last ten years. Um, and they're, they're the last people that can complain and, you know, bitch about, uh, a dirty play. No, absolutely. And, uh, I think the verdict's out. I think Jokic is, uh, suspended for one game, at least. And the Marcus part only has a $50,000 fine 
So I don't know. I probably would have suspended them both. I think Jokic had to set a precedent and put his foot down. You know, the reigning MVP, he's Mm -hmm. currently trying to galvanize a team that's riddled with injury. MPJ was most recently um, sidelined, I think with a back injury or something. So who knows when he's coming back. Uh, The Nuggets are trying to save their morale this season, which is super unfortunate because I would have had them going to the finals last season. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he's probably frustrated. He gets pushed like that. Uh, I mean, you got to push back. Yeah, man, put some respect on that shit, man. This guy's a fucking reigning MVP, and he's still playing like an MVP. If if Jamal was there, man, this guy honestly could have possibly been back to back if they had the full roster. But yeah, it, it's gonna shit. It's gonna be shitty for for them this year. Hopefully, Jamal is back uh, sometime this season, and they can make a push. But it's gonna be tough without having you know at least 80 percent of the regular season under your belt uh, to kind of get back into the rhythm there. No, I got to agree. Well, hey, Tuan, this was uh, this was fun. Uh, what do you got going on for the rest of the evening? It's only what, like five o'clock p.m. over there? What is it? <laughs> yeah, seven, seven forty. I know it's late for you, man. So you, you should definitely head home. Uh, it's gonna get uh, go shower. It's been, it's been yeah, a long day for me. And then Jackie and I are going to just head out to uh, a spot to eat. Try try to show him a good time, show him some good food. So that's that's the plan for the rest of the night so uh, yeah man i know you've been you've been out all day working all day working out all day doing podcasts all day so uh i'll, I'll let you go man just and th- thanks for jumping on late this night and uh accommodating so always nice to chat i know we try to keep these uh short but it, it, we kind of get uh uh lost a little bit in here so uh you know it's, it's always good to chat and you know always get lost in these conversations i love it yeah, what well, we're are we at an hour under an hour? Yeah, I think we're at an hour. It's all right. Cool. Well, we'll end it at that. Um, always good chatting, catching up. Um, we'll talk soon. And uh, as always, thanks to everyone who uh, who tuned in. Cool. Peace. All right. Peace. Cheers, brother. Later. Later.